Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, fuck! Get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Welcome to the festive. Well, is it festive? It's that funny in between bit that hasn't got a name in it. Yeah, I mean, we've basically pulled ourselves away from eating for. Yeah. I'm so full. I'm so fucking full. The 48 the hours of Christmas and Boxing Day are not being. I needed pulling through with a towel or something <laughs> at the end of it. Do you know what I mean? It was. It was. It was not good. Yeah. I'm just so t- I'm so bored of being full. I don't know, but I've got nothing else to do but just sit and eat. So, so that happens. So, welcome yeah. to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that was back in work Friday and is also in work tomorrow. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Oh, mate. So there you go. I'm Lee, and over there, the man who's <laughs> smugly uh, looking at me now as a man who's not in work tomorrow is absolutely not in work tomorrow. Uh, I, I'm Josh. Just about. Did you have a good Christmas, Josh? Did yeah, you right. did you ding dong merrily on high? Did you look down on the feast of Stephen? Did you bring good tidings of comfort and joy, or did you want to murder most of your family by half past two on Christmas Day? Uh, relative, my, my family is so my family unit is so compact that uh, I mean it's, it's it's fine. Like Christmas, there's only like four three of us, so it's like we've got to go quite some way to really fuck everyone <laughs> off. The sort of that is very, get into that is rough. very compact. It must be said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for compact family units. You can get your back. family into a Ford car comfortably. Yeah. It's not that I don't have other relatives, it's just I don't have anything to do with them, so it's fine. Well, It's like, yeah. Good for you. How was I, your was, I was all right. I was down Did you murder my... anyone? No, I was at my brother-in-law's house. Um, it was very nice. It was nice seeing them. And also, they've got small children, so that was that I feel was like nice that thing. must always add a bit of... Um, a bit like, of getting up at half five in the morning on Christmas Day, that kind of thing. Is that what you want added to your I mean, life, Josh? I, mean, nah, that, I, I, 
I'd have to sleep through that, I feel. <laughs> yes. If you'd have said yes, I wouldn't have believed you. So uh... <laughs> There'd have been some Olympic-level sleeping through stuff going on there in my, for my part. But, um, yeah. No, I just feel like kids must make Christmas more fun. Because when Christmas is all adults, it's just kind of like, hey, yeah. Yeah, it's nice, Christmas, nice to see cool. you all. But yeah, but no, it was nice. Yeah, yeah. I hope you look all yeah. a nice Christmas out there, by the way, and that you are well. Whether you're on a commute on this Monday morning or Sunday evening as we're recording this, but Monday morning you might have us for your commute. If you're back in work like me. If not, mm. you might be able to use as an excuse to escape from the aforementioned family before you aforementionedly murder them. So uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we can I, be of service always, to you. Yeah, I've always thought that the sort of upper echelon of time limit that I can safely spend with. Uh, my extended family is three days yeah, yeah. before something bad happens. That fish um, story is a truism, but it's true for a reason, isn't it? It absolutely is. Um, so if you are somebody who is encroaching on today, sort of five or six of your time with your family, I'm just saying for your own sanity and perhaps for your future family harmony, this podcast and going somewhere on your own for half an hour might... <laughs> might be everything that you need. So there you go. Speaking of everything you need, what else do you need? You need to ask get in touch with us. So yes, I'm available yes. at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com should you wish you get in touch. I've also got the DMs there open if you fancy slinging something up that. Uh, and what about you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner, uh, at Roby Shirtwatch, uh, at RobyShirtwatch.com. My DMs aren't open. Um, Very good. He wouldn't, he wouldn't respond the, to you for, anyway, Les Yellman. For the, for the best. For the best. Be but he wouldn't honest. respond to you anyway. You know, let's be honest. He, he no, might just, it'd I'm, be a charade. The entire yeah. thing would be a charade. I just, I just leave you on red, <laughs> unread and on red, both things. <laughs> um, right then, if you we're we're on Acast, we're on iTunes, we're yeah. on all that kind yeah. of stuff, all those places. We're also on Patreon. Thank you very much to everybody. I hope your patrons have had an especially lovely Christmas. I hope everyone's had a lovely one, but I hope that you've had an especially lovely one. If you're one of our patrons, uh, only a Christmas temptation. Stephen Davis couldn't resist. The festive vibe in the VIP lounge this week and has upped, upped his contribution. He was a bit jealous, stood behind the velvet rope in the, in the normal Olive Brew lounge and fancy getting into the, the festive Christmas VIP area. So welcome well, along, know, Stephen, and thank you. Who doesn't want to be somewhere nice for the Boxing Day fixtures, you know? It's like, you know, you want to, you've, you've come away from your family for an afternoon, you know, you want to you be in. In some semblance of luxury. You know? Speaking of Boxing Day fixtures, one thing I did do on Boxing Day is that I watched 10 hours of Premiership football because <laughs> it was on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I started I, at I half also. 12 in the afternoon and it didn't finish until 10 o'clock at night. It was magnificent. Yeah, I, I, watched, a lot of, I watched a lot of football that day. Great. It was, uh, it was great stuff. Just it was, yeah, I, wasn't I, exactly brilliant football. Who cares? No. It's fine. Amazon, I'll tell I, you I, what, I, though, I to say amount. Amazon are parking a number of, you know, Independently artificial intelligence flying themselves tanks on the lawns of everybody is is an understating it, isn't it? Because their coverage was fucking good. I powerfully, powerfully hope that their next salvo in dominating the world is getting a load of fucking rugby rights, to be honest. Yeah. Because if they do rugby half as well as they did football, both from a technological point of view and from a general quality of the broadcast point of view. Yes. Fucking sign me up. Absolutely. So anyway, yes, yeah, so I did a lot of that. Um, we start, as we always begin, with a player spotted. Um, Aaron Cunnan gets involved and gets emailing on the DMs. And he says, my best friend works in a high-end cafe in Notting Hill. 
where people mm. queue for hours on a Saturday for some classic eggs and avocado. Yeah, because you can only get those in high-end places, obviously. Absolutely, you can. Yeah. A few weeks ago, she texted me that she had she had Jordan La- seen Jordan Lama in with his girlfriend. Mm. May I add, he was injured at the time while his Leinster team were playing away in Lyon on Champion Cup duties. Of course, my head then went straight to... He's signing for Saracens. Yeah, straight to his movie. Is it Quinns? Is it Wasps? Is it Saracens? Before realising that no one in their right mind would leave Leinster in his position right now and he'd simply been given a week off to rest and not travel with the injury. Also, he says, my friend referred to him as Lamour in a very sexy French accent, which I can't help but call him now. And that's when I see him dancing through midfields and find it to be a very apt nickname. Yeah, I'm afraid... It is, yeah. People must be doing that, but I've not heard it, but I'm surprised they haven't. But yes, but Lamour is the perfect sort of uh, name for him, isn't it? Surely, yeah. So thank you very much for that, Aaron. Jordan Lama in West London, having eggs and avocado. Yeah, we don't know he had eggs and avocado. Oh, no, we don't. That's where people queue to get them. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Did you know you that know, speaking never... speaking of posh cafes, did you a friend of yes. my, a friend of mine from work went to Bath and he was talking about how everyone raves on about the espresso bar there, the one that Matt Stevens owns. Because it's apparently it they've been to some Sicilian coffee award awards and they've won like a European fucking espresso thing or something. <laughs> Uh, well, the Jika Jika, whatever it's called. I don't know called. what it's called, but he just said, and I said, yeah. oh, is that about Matt Stevens on that he opened when he was, you know, forcibly banned, basically, because he had to fill his time. Yeah, yeah. He had to, he had to use all that energy he was getting from somewhere. At least, he's, yeah. at least he's thrown himself into it. But you see, it's just <laughs> another example of how this century sucks, isn't it? Because, you know, a cup of coffee is what it is, isn't it? But instead, no, we've got to go into incredible wankdom detail about it and, you know, spicy notes and fucking all that stuff. Like Ooh, with beer on... and everything else, gin and everything else. I'm just looking at uh, TripAdvisor and it claims that Jika Jika closed in 2016. I, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't really care. Maybe it's um, a different one then. I th- maybe. Either way, all I, all it was I just an excuse. It was just a way a... for me to leave him moaning about co- about co- wanky coffee bars, really, I think. so. I remember there was a uh, a really good thing in about 2010 or 2011 with Matt Stevens' coffee shop where he got into some serious shit for effectively charging a corkage fee for parents who brought their own baby food. Oh. <laughs> that, that is exactly Oof. the correct noise. Um, yeah, they would like charge in like 150 or something um, for... Anybody that like brought baby food, um, Oof. and then instantly everyone went fucking mental about that's, it. That's and like, local, no, 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 that, no, that, no, that's no. like that's like a nuclear bomb. That's like you setting off a nuclear bomb in the local Facebook group, isn't it? Basically, I would imagine a mums net, whatever the mums net thing for yeah, bath whatever is. the bath mums net Facebook group <laughs> is. Was absolutely was basically scorched earth for that place, and maybe that's why it doesn't. It's not open anymore. To coin a Welsh um, word. They would have been tamping. Oh, oh, absolutely tamping. <laughs> so there you go. So that's that. Any more, any more, you know, cafe chat, do let us know. You can send in your player yeah. spotters via DM to leeatbuddermud.com. You can send it via the Patreon messaging service if you're one of those people that's very nicely contributes. You, you get that little exclusive contact through there. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you very much. News-wise, it's a bit quiet with it being Christmas and all. Not much news going on. Not much news going on. 
It's a very, very, very quiet at the moment, actually, isn't it? It is. However, we've got a couple of things. Reese Webb is on his way back from whence yes, he came. Toulon will not be um, compelling him just because there was a, a third year option on his deal that um, Toulon could have triggered um, to keep him in France for another year but they will not be triggering the option and he's free to go at the end of the season um, and he's going back the The rumour is Dragons or Ospreys um, it seems more likely that he's heading back to uh, to Swansea at the moment which while a good thing because he's a great player and he should never have left uh, and and you know, it's it's. I'm glad that he's coming home both personally and professionally. Um, scrum half is arguably the one position where the Ospreys don't need a good player at the moment because they've got three good scrum halves. Um, so you have to know how much money's classic. getting, don't you? <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So it, it's kind of classic Ospreys uh, recruitment of the moment. Really, it's that it's signing a good player in a position that we don't need. Did you see that um, thing that came out today from eSportif on their thing about the the positions that are the highest paid in rugby? Did you see that came out today? No, I didn't see that. Let me try and find it because uh, we maybe should have done this before we came on air. I appreciate it. Yeah, we probably should have. We should have done that. But uh, um, because <laughs> what's interesting is, is that the top... Well, let me ask you because you've not seen it. What do you think the two top paid positions are in the Pro 14 and the Premiership? Are they different for both leagues? No. The same okay, two positions um, are the highest paid. I'm going to say tight head and fly off. No. Okay. How, how am I right with either of them? They're both forwards. Oh. Um, number eight and loose head prop? No. It's the two. I'll put you out of your misery. It's the yeah, two. It's, it's the two lock positions. Shirt really? number four and shirt number five are the highest average earners in both the Premiership and the Pro 14. Third is... place in the Premiership is is fly off, and second place in the Guinness Pro 14 is number eight. There's got to be some... What do you think the two top positions, paying positions are in the top 14? <laughs> is it tight head and loose head? No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's the two wings. I mean that is pure. That, that is, is just perfectly. French, and then the it? second yeah. highest paid is the ten. Yeah. But even then, in third place, then is the two locks. So I find it. Well, here we go. Then it is interesting. Um, why is this then? Why? Because yeah, I would never. You could have given me ten guesses at this, and I'd never have guessed it. In fact, esports Eve did a did a. I mean, they're not very well followed, so there weren't very many people who, who voted. To be honest, but they asked, you know, what who do you think is the highest paid and only five percent of the people responding out of 35 people said um, <laughs> said, said it was lock and actually i think most people wouldn't know that so why do why is it do you think why are locks paid that much i don't know let's have a let's have a there's, discussion there's got to be like a couple of big old earners that are skewing that who would be <laughs> like, really big lock earners in the premiership then uh everybody at saracens um <laughs> yeah, Maru, yeah, everyone, Marutoji. All the internationals, you're probably Launchbury, aren't you? Yeah, Launchbury. Courtney Laws is probably on a tidy wedge. Yeah. Um, is it because a lot of second rowers are captains? I haven't done that. I haven't crunched it, but I think a lot uh, of that position point. tends to be a captain, don't they? I mean, is is Lou Diago who is yet to even play for sale skewing mm. this on his own? 
This is for the season 1920, yeah. Right, yeah. So Ludiaga's going to be bumping that wage up big style on his own. Yeah. Um, hmm. Here's a question who for you then. Is, who else is big money fucking... I mean, obviously, you're yeah. the Pro 14 because you've got you've got Alan Wynn, haven't you? Yeah. You've got Corey Hill. He's probably on a fair wedge, given his internet. Cause it, cause, and it's skewed, buddy. And it... Yeah. Mm. It's a really interesting... It's, who's actually... You know, obviously, Alan Wynn. Like, maybe... Like, some of the Irish lads yeah. are skewing it a bit as well. But again, you know... Like I mean, you don't know by how much they're higher than everybody else. It might just be by like yeah, exactly. 3% or whatever, but it's uh, it's interesting. Somebody like Launchbury, I would imagine, is on yeah. a fair pledge. Yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, it's really hard to... Here's an interesting one. Yeah. Who do you think... There's one position that's consistently the worst paid. I mean, it's good, you're great on a curve here, aren't you? But the worst paid across all three leagues. Six. Two. Really? Who would have thought that as well? That's so, like, given how important a hooker is for two, like, massive... Yeah, huge set pieces of the game. You know, shit hooker and your lino don't work and your scrum don't work. And yet they're seen as relatively... That's really interesting. Like, I find this shit fascinating. It's the sort of thing that... uh, the next, the next worst paid in the Guinness mm. Pro 14 and the Premiership. Bottom is hooker. Next worst, worst paid. Open side. Wing. Really? <laughs> where are you getting the? I start to think. I wonder where they're getting these figures from. To be honest, because it is. Yeah. Just, anyway, I've sent it to you now. So, mm-hmm. as you can see, I think the, the interesting thing for me is. How poorly paid wingers are. Wingers are third most poorly paid as a pair. In the Premiership. In the Premiership. And yet the top paid in France. And fifth fifth best paid in, yeah. I mean, George North is probably skewing that. and um, (laughs) Josh Adams. Josh Adams on their own are probably skewing that quite a lot. Throw James Lowe in there as well, actually. Yeah, true. And there's probably a lot of cash going in there. Um, Both the Prem and the Pro 14, like not valuing open side flankers at all is bananas to me. Like, yeah, I don't understand that. But again, it, it could be that, you know, and and it's obvious that they treat the two wings and the two locks as one piece of data intelligence. They're not separating them out. You know what I mean? Mm. Locks are paid that. But yeah, it's interesting enough. But I find... It's everyone... also interesting that the fullbacks are the third highest paid one in the Premiership. But are the fourth bottom and third bottom in the top 14 and the pro 14 as well. You have to um, wonder how many... How the out- Stuart Hogg, again. Yeah, Stuart how the Hogg outliers throw this. Yeah, is Elliot Daly counted as a fullback? Andy Goode. Uh, not Andy Goode. Alex Goode. <laughs> yeah, Andy, definitely not Andy him. Andy Goode's not yeah. skewing anything. <laughs> um, well, he skewed the average weight of the yes. starting fly-off in the Guinness Premiership over the last 10 years. But, um, but the, yeah. Everyone talks about how important having a proper breakaway and a fetcher is and all that and a jackal mm. and all that. And then they're apparently just... Not they're the apparently not, way. according to the wages that are being paid. But again, it's it's they're interested in themselves, but I suppose there's a lot because you've got to look at there's a lot of young people playing seven and a lot of big names coming through at four and five. I think a lot of captains are probably locks. That probably does a, mm. a lot of senior players also, in that position. And also the fact that, yeah, just... 
locks tend to get better as they get older, you know, mm. to the point where, and you can see a lot of locks sort of playing well into their thirties, which they may not in other positions. And when you get to that point, you are going to be demanding fairly big bucks, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. But however, I think that the hook, what we do learn from this is that hookers need to form a union. <laughs> And they need to start, start fucking getting some negotiations, <laughs> some, some, <laughs> some collective hell? bargaining going for their role. And the, the top fourteen needs to dramatically start valuing loose head props more as well, <laughs> because yeah. honestly, when you look at the the revolution that's going on in front rows across the world at the moment, but particularly at loose head, and you know only hookers are paid worse than loose heads in the top fourteen. Guys, come to come to England, come yeah. to. Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. We'll give you good money. Good job now going to the hooker. Look, everyone needs to play. We all need Hollywood hookers now. Fuck you, mate. Not for the money I'm on. Not a chance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will fucking. I am push. working to rule. I'm throwing throw. into the line out, and I am pushing in the scrum, and that is it. I'm doing nothing else until I get a better deal. Is that why Bristol managed to get Harry Thacker for fuck all then? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> because... Leicester just offered him nothing and Bristol was just like, well, we'll give you a little bit better than nothing. And he was like, fine, <laughs> yeah. all right, yeah. That's not fair, but you're a hooker, mate. You know what I mean? There's a yeah. market out there. Oh, well, you know, yeah. Don't hate I the player, suppose. hate the game, you know. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so sorry, that all began with Reese Webb coming back to the Ospreys, probably on a shitload of money. Uh, but again, yes. is, it, is, it being, is it a um, central contract job? I would very much doubt it at this point in his career, and given how many good nines Wales have got at the moment, um, it could end up being very good for the Ospreys in the sense that, I mean, he might actually play more than 10 games a season for them, given Thomas Williams and yeah. uh, Gareth Davis fairly nailing down the shirts. But we'll see. Um, yeah. Okay. The other bit of news is that Geordie Barrett's been kicked out of a cricket game. It's been a really slow news week, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Um, but very funny, yeah. So he he was at the um, MCG for the Australia New Zealand uh, Boxing Day test, and uh, got kicked out by security for sculling half a beer. And I've seen it. It's honestly <laughs> like of all yeah. of the things that I would expect to go on on a Boxing Day test at the MCG, I would imagine that sculling, a, sculling half a beer, not even a full beer, <laughs> come on. Downing half Maybe a that's why they kicked him out. Like, it is Australia yeah, after all, you know. We're not tolerating that kind of behaviour here, mate. What, drinking a bit? No, not drinking enough beer. Out. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll scull a full one, but you can fuck <laughs> off. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit embarrassing really, isn't it? But of course, Not when you read that, I've never, you ever, have you, I mean, there's a lot of kind of drop off between the headline of the story in this day and age, isn't there? But the drop off between yeah. the headline and that story is remarkable. Because you think yeah, you're going to find out that he's like basically pissed on some children because he's so drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. I was really looking forward to something <laughs> properly fucking awful alien. <laughs> and <laughs> now he. Like, apparently, some a bloke got fucking tackled by security for making a beer snake as well. So I feel like the guys at the MCG might fucking need to tone it down a little bit by the sounds of it. There was a, there was some reports about when um, when the Aust- sorry when Cardiff played the Dragons, mm. and there was a group of the Dragons fans that sp- Dragons fans that spent most of the game chanting "fuck off Cardiff," which over and over again. 
And some people upset because he said, well, it was right by my five-year-old daughter. And, it, and, it, and I'm always conflicted with this stuff because I am like, you know, but this, this is what happens in sports crowds. However, yeah. it is we do want it to be family entertainment. So, however, I do think it's better to say to the kid, you might hear some words that you don't like because that's what happens. And, yeah. you know, chanting fuck up, people who are not from Cardiff chanting fuck, fuck off Cardiff at Cardiff is a tale as old as time, really. It's as, it's as Welsh and, a tradition as the Ace Devon, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's just like, like you say, we don't want sort of sports to become inhospitable to people. But at the same time, that's what fucking going to live sport is. You hear some fucking words you've never heard before <laughs> as a child, you know. Yes. It's... And actually, I just tended to giggle all the way through it when I used to hear the... I thought it was great. Because loved... there's nothing funnier when you're a kid and hearing grown-ups swear openly, is there? You're like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sort of oh, yeah, exactly. I shouldn't have heard that. Well, I don't yeah. think so, anyway. But yeah, so yeah, interesting. So yeah, as you, as you could tell, it has been a very slow news week, everybody. So um, there you go. That's the end of the news. So there was rugby this weekend. We were on last week. It seems like, again, a long time ago because of Christmas and all that, but we were on this time last week. So there's been really? a... Yeah, we did. We recorded last Sunday, but since then, no, you know, was, the, whole, the Christmas time void has happened. It has. So we had a round of fixtures this weekend. What did we, uh, what did we pick up from it, Josh? Um, I learned that Rob Baxter is the ultimate tonic to your post-Christmas slump. Um... You want to spice up the post-match of a dour, error-strewn game that was billed as the game of the century, but it was actually kind of just okay. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. There's something about in the midst yeah. of Christmas. <laughs> it was compelling. The two biggest but teams. It wasn't the game of the century, was it? No, no, it wasn't. But what you do is then you you walk into the post-match and you drop some motherfucking truth bombs all <laughs> up in this shit. Um, just I, I assume that he was asked by Five Live about the whole. Saracen's thing, yeah, um, and his response was fucking brilliant. Which is, there are supporters of rugby clubs who have watched coaches getting sacked and players leave and all different kinds of things, and part of that has been Saracen's cheating. You can't run away from it. Zing, fucking zing. <laughs> I do love Rob Baxter. Yeah, <laughs> and then sometimes the people because he doesn't even do Saracen. it to shit out. I think he does it from a no. from a kind of centre of ethical sort of. This Absolutely. is just what I think because well, he I goes on in. to say, yeah. Sometimes the people who've pointed out that Saracens have cheated almost get pointed out to be the bad guys themselves sometimes. Well, the people who have made comment on it aren't the cheats, and that is the bit that some rugby supporters have felt more frustrated about. The nicest thing about getting today done is we can move on, and we can move on to almost the real business of the Premiership, which is getting our head down and collecting some points against other teams. Um, He doesn't want to move on. He wants to keep banging this drum until they're fucking lifting the Premiership title at the end of the season. And more power to him. But... Yeah, good shit. I love it when some when Rob Baxter just yeah get the pulpit and does it without even it. losing his rag. He just does it in this kind no, no, of sort absolutely of absolutely perfectly calm yes. and measured, and he's thought about everything that he's going to say, yeah. and he's going to say, you know what, fuck you, all the people that said that we were sore losers for saying that they were cheats and there was something going on there. But he's got the decency and the integrity to not go fuck you, which is what I would do in that situation, and actually be quite sort of measured about it all. Otherwise, you know, it was an okay game, I thought. Yeah, I um, I sort of, yeah, but I kind of enjoyed it on one level because... It was very compelling. You can produce a game that isn't utterly brilliant, but you can produce a game that's still utterly brilliant, 
but for all the so-called wrong reasons. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't call it utterly brilliant, but I, I did do think that that's Exeter's fair enough. defense. I do hyperbole though. Fucking, that's what I do. So yeah, yeah. well, yeah. yeah. Exeter's defense today was, was some fucking all-time Thermopylae epic <laughs> shit. <Yeah. laughs> nice <laughs> like, reference. I like it. It was, it was just like the way that they held Saracens out when you've. How many times have we seen the movie that Saracens got themselves into? frequently until the 78th minute or whatever it was. And it was just like, well, there's only one thing that happens here. There's a there's a line out and Saracens are going to score or Saracens have got a ruck in the middle of the park mm. five metres out, they're going to score. Or Saracens have got a scrum under the posts, they're going to score. And every single time, Exeter just went, nah, we're going to make you knock it on or we're going to turn the ball over. Yeah, always. the number of times somebody, it was like a, a very large cast of characters got in there, didn't they? Jack yeah. Noel got in. I mean, was it the end of the first half? And Noel got in there right on the line and nicked the ball in a rut. Yeah. Um, um, Simmons did one Sam, later on. But it's like Sim- a whole. So the kind Simmons of... tackle on Jamie George at the stroke of halftime was fucking <laughs> epic. The way that he held him up, you know, a fly off of his size. Who is he? Just small for a fly off mm. that guy. And he, Jamie George, was peeling off the back of a, a rolling mall that was absolutely going all the way two yards out and somehow he got and not only tackled him he got underneath him and he held the ball up that was like that was one of the best defensive plays a lot of people will talk about sort of ridiculous cover tackles and Charles Piertow did one of those on mm. on Friday night they're brilliant don't get me wrong but that <laughs> in that space where all Jamie George had to do was fall over and let his much 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 bigger body weight do the job and somehow Simmons got under like the commitment that that just personified throughout that entire Exeter team today was fucking brilliant. They were unbelievably good, like just tenacious, organised, physical. They were well over the edge at times as well. But mm. that's where you need to be if you're going to be. That's a good why defender. I kind of liked it. That's why I kind of yeah. you know. There's sometimes you just want to see a game when it's just all blood and thunder. And and borderline shit outing that then spills over into the necessary fight the substitutes become involved in. Can I just say I lo- both loved that fight <laughs> for it being entirely necessary. Harry Williams for steaming in there for yeah. no reason. I, lo- I love it when you get a little bit of like local league <laughs> behaviour at the top level. But the subs and bench what comes I also loved on. was uh Tony Rowe sitting as he was behind the substitutes when Harry Williams came back over basically laughing his tits off and pointing at him because he was basically knew that he was going to get sent off. <laughs> and Tony Rowe was fucking <laughs> pissing himself and loving it. Yes. And I'm happy for we, you to do the time for that. We were in that yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You silly cunt. You've got yourself sent off, but it was funny. It was basically the vibe that I was getting. And we've still him. won. This is great. Yeah, and we're still going to win the game. It's fine. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, they kept Sarri scoreless for 77 minutes and they only conceded down to 14 from a penalty try. You know, they never actually got across the whitewash. And that's pretty fucking You don't remarkable. get that very often, do you? Sarri's Especially were, given the fact that Sarri's were laying siege for a lot of that as well. It yeah, wasn't and just... Was loaded a... for bear. That was as, as full strength as Saracen's team. Well, they as both Saracen's were, they? Both, they both went out. double and it barrel, was a full yeah. Three. And they, you know, they went on each other hammer and tongs and Exeter this time were just... What I think was really quite telling was that, you know, in games past between Saracens and Exeter, 
where it's got to 65 or 60 minutes and Saracens have had an extra load of people to bring off the bench and turn the game as they did in the Premiership final so memorably. There was none of that this year. <laughs> like, they kept coming. You know, they were basically, they were coming at them from about 20 minutes in and Exeter just stood there and were like, no, we're just going to defend for 80 minutes. And it was, it was dour to watch, but it was, fuck me, it was impressive. Yeah, quite. And again, yeah, that's something that rugby is, one of the great things about rugby is a game for all, of all sizes and all measures and all approaches, yeah. isn't it, in many ways? It doesn't always have to be fucking super rugby razzle-dazzle 38 points each. Sometimes it can just be a proper fucking... Because it can just be awful thing. and yet not awful all at the same yeah. time. Yeah. It's very compelling. Um, well, that's what I learned for the weekend. Somebody has snuck in and loosened the nuts on all of Bristol's wheels. They're they've not quite to... coming off, but... Somebody's losing the nuts, haven't they? There's a speed wobble going there. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm sure they weren't this fragile a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) You know? They look like they've been figured out a bit, and they look like they don't have enough about them up front to compensate for the fact that they've been figured out a bit. Like, they're not even doing the thing. You know, they're not even fucking Harlem Globetrotters-ing this shit at the moment. They just look like a team that's kind of they have one way of playing and when somebody works that out, they don't really have a lot of other things to do, which is admirable in a way that they're committed to playing this sort of open, expansive game. But, you know, getting battered by Saris like they did last week and then losing at home to a fucking rudderless Wasps team. When you looked at, I know that, you know, they're still nominally, you know, in the, in the hunt for the playoffs and all that sort of stuff at the moment. But, like, you look down that table as well, and, you know, they're currently sat in fourth on 18 points, but it's only going to take a couple of results to go the other the way that they don't want it to go, and they're going to be right in the midst of a fucking relegation scrap again. Mm. And I think the best news for them is that the Six Nations isn't far away. Because yeah. a lot of the teams around them will lose a lot of players and Bristol won't. It's a hard season to call, it's, it's, isn't it? Because so many people yeah, are without really players is. at the beginning and then they're going to lose a load of players pretty soon after Christmas. Then yeah. there's Europe as well still running on for a lot of teams as well. So it's going, to, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all goes. Yeah, Bristol haven't looked right for about a month, I'd say. But because it was off with Europe, yeah. they kind of... And they were playing against a Stade France team that is basically just fucking insane. Um they sort of covered that up a little bit, but there's something not right there at the moment. And <laughs> it's, you look at them and, you know, who've they got? They've got Leicester away next. That is a fucking massive game. Like, in the complexion of the season, if Leicester win there, all of a sudden, they've got to go, they've got Gloucester at home. That's a tough game. Then they've got to go away to Saints. Um, which I think will be just before the start of the Six Nations. And then, see, even even during the Six Nations, they've got Worcester at home. Worcester aren't going to lose many players in the Six Nations. they got Bath away. They will. Um, I just, yeah. I look at their season and I just think, if they can't, if they need, they don't get back to what they were doing about a month ago, where they were mixing being fucking solid up front with doing all the fucking razzle-dazzle shit. 
this could get this could well, be quite a sticky. They've got nothing season. to worry about because two words, London Irish. Well, <laughs> I've got two words for you as well: headshot. Um, <laughs> no team's gonna stay up if you're getting people sent off for scandalously reckless tackles every fucking week. Yes. Um. And yeah, it's it, London Irish spent a lot of money. A lot of money again, just like they did last time. I, they're not. They don't seem to be getting the kind of results that they probably should be for the amount of investment that they've put in there. No. Still. Won one game. Yeah. Leicester. Have, I mean, Leicester have managed to not lose a game as Andy and Brum got in touch to to, to, to rejoice in Leicester in not losing <laughs> game. Shocker. <laughs> um. We need to have a word with Quinn's like Paul Gus. I expect better from Paul Gustard mm. than whatever the fuck that Quinn set piece is, <laughs> because it like they they were they won that game and then Leicester just went oh they haven't got either a scrum or a line out let's do that then and just monstered their way to a draw that they in no way deserved you know at half time and yeah I. <laughs> I this you, this is such a weird season because everyone's good and everyone's shit except for Exeter who seem pretty good. Yes. Like like everyone's got it in them to be shit at some point and everyone's got it in them to be very good at some point. Bath seemingly are good now. Yes. I mean, you know, beating London Irish is not exactly something that you know we should base a whole season on but you know yeah they they look a lot more coherent well, again, though, didn't they? Like, the weekend. yeah you know sale have looked all right at times this season worcester have looked all right at times this season bristol have looked excellent at times this season well, and beat sale, didn't they? yesterday yeah it's like i don't that, yeah. i don't understand what's i don't understand this season i don't understand who's good anymore except for exeter <laughs> Which is why we might as well just give it to them now. And maybe that's the way it will be. There's Exeter and Leinster, and there is no one else. There's Exeter, (laughs) there's Leinster. There's about 14 country miles of open space and pasture. Then there's everybody else, basically. Yeah. I will say, though, I do think that Saints are legit. Uh, You know, okay, they got monstered by Leinster home and away. But in the Premiership sense, I think they're the only team that have got any shout of really giving Exeter any kind of problems at the sharp end because they've basically just got really, really fucking good halfbacks and a solid pack. Mm. I still don't think they'll have anything. They're not going to get anywhere near them. But, you know, with Bristol falling off, Sarri's mathematically unlikely and Gloucester and Quinn's showing real vulnerability at times. Like, they're the only team that looks like they can be consistent enough to actually still be relevant at the end of the season. That was I'm a cracking game, win. by the way. That was fucking brilliant. <laughs> also a classic yeah. Dan Bigger game in that he spent three quarters of it limping. Yeah. I'm still mad. I'll tell you, he didn't have a very good game that game. Ben Kay, who kept making some... I mean, you know, we're ones to talk, but he's like getting paid, where at one point he said, oh, Ben Kay's injured, that's not a problem, because uh, James Grayson is on the bench. And then t- about half a second later he went, oh, no, he isn't. Sorry, he's not on the bench. <laughs> So just, I, and what, Look, he did the worst he thing because Nick Williams was trying to make it. And Nick Williams right. went, "Oh, I, I live in the past as well. Don't worry about that, Ben." And then Ben came <laughs> and went, "It's because I saw him warming up. That's why I thought he was playing." It's like, "No, shush now." 
Stop, stop, stop trying stop, yeah. stop try to explain why you just done it. The hole is six feet deep, Ben. Just don't stop it. <laughs> and then Gloucester kicked a goal there anyway. And Northampton are right back in it. Oh, sorry, I mean Gloucester are right back in it. <laughs> it's just... And he was just like, oh no, just turn your mic off and have a minute to, to get yourself back in. Because I felt actually quite sorry for him because obviously Ben Case, I think, is actually pretty good pretty He's much all the good, time. But yeah. you just needed to have one less sherry over Christmas, I think. <laughs> or one less bottle of sherry, maybe. And it's... Nick Mullins, despite my advice, does keep saying, calling Reese Lightning about Reese Summit. Uh, who, I mean, by the way, is the not the Messiah. He just he's just quite good at finishing. He's really fucking quick. He's very quick. He's good at finishing, but everyone needs to calm the fuck down. Because absolutely, it's the classic. However, somebody who does Wales two good sidesteps needs to be in the national squad immediately. No, Wales should absolutely cap him against Italy in the in the Six Nations. One because that's for non rugby reasons, Wales. though, which is a sad yes. situation we find ourselves yeah. in now. The sad situation that you know England will steal him otherwise, but also just because it'll just make Andy Hughes shut the fuck up. <laughs> he, um. Well, you're making shut the fuck up about that. About that. I mean, he, to be fair, he's been quite, you know, he has been unequivocal about it, Louis Rees-Samit, hasn't he? But I suppose you just have yeah. to go, you know what, let's just completely remove the option altogether. Well, that's what, you know, that's what Warren Gatland did with Rees Carey <laughs> before he even got to the Saracens. Yeah, that's very it's true. Like, what's that? You're England qualified, mate. Nah, we're going to get you in a red shirt immediately. I got into a discussion and... about this, about residency, and somebody said about football. And actually, what's interesting is, is that you can qualify in residency in the football but it's five years. Passport. Hmm? Oh, is it five years? It's five years, and you have to have not played competitively from any other, for any other team. Um, however, the five years residency bit has been removed, has been agreed to be removed within within the home nations. Uh-oh. Um, in football, and has done for years. So that's why Ryan Giggs didn't qualify to play for England. Uh, Although everyone assumed okay. he would play for England. I've got no idea whether he would have done or not. He might have wanted to have played for Wales. There's always this assumption that he was desperate to play for England. I'm not sure that's true. But the point is is that the argument was superfluous because he was never qualified because he was born in Wales. Both his parents were Welsh and none of his grandparents were English. Just so the fact the fact he'd lived in Wales in England didn't qualify him. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. He never, that he, seemed, he could... that. He never specifically seemed like he wanted to play for Wales. Well, no, <laughs> no the, 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 we can get into that, but that's just an example of why... So you can't, if you are Scottish and then you go and live in England for a while, you generally can't qualify. Does not scant, yeah. Does not, unless you've got parental qualification. So there's an interesting view that actually the home nations could all get around the table together from a rugby point of view, the RFU, the SRU, mm. um, and, and Ireland and everybody else. Slightly different, slightly different with the football, slightly different to the football with rugby, obviously because football has a Northern Ireland Football Association and rugby does not. Yes. But... Um, they could all just get around the table and say, do you know what? We just agree that we won't have a residency rule between us. I mean, I would, I feel like that's the only way. I mean, the reality is that people moving from abroad and taking up British nationality and stuff is a slightly different scenario. I think that is different. Yeah. The reality is the RFU would never do that because they, they have clearly have a stated policy where they want to steal as many Good I don't think a lot of the unions. I think it's easy to, to to have a go at the RFU, and God knows I I very much support that policy. But I think um, I think a lot of unions will say, "Hang on, I'm not really sure." To be honest, is it? Well, be, it's, it's I, how the many? Unions. It's not the unions. It's the clubs who want to exploit the England player payments rule by keeping clubs keeping mm. players nationality, and that, I think that is undeniable. Is that they are using, they are exploiting what 
the RFU does for payments for England players and exploiting that rule. Because wasn't it something ridiculous with London Welsh where they had they were getting uh, English player payments for a guy who was in their squad who I think was like he's like a fucking Kiwi centre or something, but yeah. because his it was it's happened. This was when London Welsh were last in the Prem, which uh, the Piri Weepu. It wasn't even yeah. It wasn't Piri Weepu. It was it was Piri Weepu era. Yes, um, I mean yeah, that era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I remember they had they were getting cash for. Um, what the fuck were they doing with that for, money? Because it didn't seem to be going on the field. So. I mean, not a lot. Um, <laughs> I think it was buying was, Piri Weepu's dominoes a, is what they were doing. It was with very it. much a drop. It was very much a, a, a drop in the ocean scenario. But I seem to remember they had basically someone in their squad who was like a Kiwi who was uh, technically English qualified, even though he was like 31 and barely played for any, anybody. But because he had like an English grandmother or something like that, right? London Welsh were entitled to get you know however much that they get, you know, 50 grand a year or whatever it is for. Uh, an England qualified player, and so I think it's, it's very much. But this is just like, one example of how they can be without getting too hysterical and blood and soil about it all. They can just be <laughs> recognizing that Great Britain is a strange place that everyone mm. has a British. If you're born here, most people, everybody has a British nationality, but technically you can you can all be another nationality within it. But it's not recognized mm. as a proper nationality. If you know what I mean, from a legal point of view, it's not recognized as a proper nationality. So you're effectively picking and choosing between national sports team so you could just actually get together as a group and say you know what we will not have residency between ourselves unless it's pre- the only thing you can do it on is parental qualification for example which would seem fair enough yeah. to me and that I way that point that's... of taking a player from you know a Gwent school into an English club won't there'll be no argument then about whether or not they no, are that's the thing. You, unless I they've no, got parental like, qualification the players get you know fans of, of... Premiership clubs get quite chippy about this stuff, but nobody's got any. I've got no problem with Welsh players playing for Bristol or Gloucester or no, Worcester. They'll do or some good, especially their the first couple, first contract at eighteen. That'll do them yeah, a world of good. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you know, if it's a great environment for them, brilliant. What you then shouldn't do is then determine their international eligibility through pressure, which yeah. is directly financial for the clubs. And you can so, understand why they would go. Well, maybe I could sort. I could buy my mum a new house, and I could do this yeah. and all that, whatever it might be. I can. You can understand it's why they would do it, it but um, yeah. I do think it is that thing, the constant issue of, of unintended consequences with all this stuff, and it's time yeah, to yeah, maybe yeah. just... And, and everyone just looks to World Rugby to solve <laughs> it, but, you know, at the end of the day, the home nations in football took FIFA's, I think it's Article 6-something, and said, you mm. know what, we'll just decide not to have Part D, which is a residency bit between us. Yeah, It has to only be the parental qualification bit and grandparental qualification bit. There you go. There's a suggestion if anybody's listening. Yeah, I think that's genuinely probably the most sensible thing I've heard anybody say heard about me it. Ever which, say, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, never gonna <laughs> but obviously, if somebody moves uh, from France, or somebody moves from the Pacific Islands, is a different different thing entirely. But uh, yes, but of course, it also but, means that in the football, if you are if you do take up British nationality late, you can just choose which team you want to play for, which is why Pat yeah. Vanden Howe ended up playing for Wales because <laughs> he was born in Belgium and moved here when he was a kid. But um, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, sorry, yeah. Complete tangent yeah. there. Anything else yeah, on the weekend? One. Um, the Pro 14 is a total structural mess that <laughs> devalues the Is that only this weekend? That's, that, that's um, well, no, and the festive derbies have basically shown exactly why people don't take the Pro 14 seriously. Like, 
in Wales and Scotland and Italy, right? Yeah. The derbies basically took place with as many of the internationals as were fit, which was not many in some cases, to be fair. Hmm. Um, give them a proper box office feel, to be honest. They were very good. Over in Ireland, um, the IRFU decided that the Christmas derbies would be the period that they rested their international players, meaning that the derbies were basically second-string contests. Like, And you contrast that with the Premiership, or you contrast that with the top 14, which there was never any question that these hugely high-profile fixtures wouldn't be full-strength teams played at the most. I just Player welfare is important, right? We all know this. The Celtic Union's commitments to giving players more rest and recovery periods than England or France do is admirable and correct. Hmm. But I just... It feels weird, like unfair play to the, you know, the full houses that played, that turned out for... Uh, the Irish derbies over this season. And, you know, they were not bad games. They were very good games in part. But this, the RFU is still shortchanging their fans by saying, you buy these tickets to these big, you know, Boxing Day fucking derbies. So that's basically the biggest games of the year. That's not, you know, traditionally in the calendar, like it was the fucking The problem big- is, though, if it was an issue, people would stop coming, wouldn't they? So it's obviously not no, as big an issue as this- we- in this case, they, you know, they weren't to know. <laughs> like most of the fans that were coming didn't weren't going to know that they were going to fucking see a second string team because the IRFU arbitrarily decided that they were going to rest all of their players over this period so that they could all be available during the full Champions Cup thing. I mean, there were some, there were some players out there. There were some, there? but not many. But uh, yeah, and uh, but and also. Just just looking at this on the other side, right? If it was a situation that these teams had to win these games yeah. desperately, then they would have to do something about that, wouldn't they? The argument that was come back said, well, actually, if everybody else was better, we would not be able to do this. Yeah, and I, I don't have an issue with that. I don't have the issue with like the clubs doing it from a play welfare point of view or a. Hmm. I mean, like, the issue I have is. If you want to have extra rest periods for players during the season, play less fucking games. Sort the structure of your competition out so that you don't have huge periods where teams are being expected to play without key senior players. If your players are only good, if if a player can only reasonably play ten or fifteen games of club rugby every year, then why are we playing expecting teams to play twenty or thirty games a season? Hmm. That's the. So you don't have to go at Ireland clubs. But, no, not because that's what it sounded I, a bit like. You see, that's why I started uh, no, pushing you a bit. Not at all. I think, it's, but I think that you know, from the IRFU, have effectively gone to those fans who paid their fucking hard earned to turn up for the Boxing Day and New Year's derbies. Well, fuck you, then we're going to make you watch, you know, a burn that you didn't know existed because Start we Leinster uh... because we need to. Because we wanted to keep them fit, you know, we wanted. Because we to be have to make to choices people. about welfare. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, and that's fine. I want teams to make choices, but I want teams to folk to have player welfare at the forefront of what they're doing. But what I'm saying is, in a competition that's already as complicated and fucking all over the shop as the Pro 14 is, with its conferences and its, you know, not playing everybody every year and all of this shit, why not just play five less games a season mm. and give players proper rest periods? You know, play a fucking development competition if you're that bothered in the in the off weekends yeah. where you do just play the academy kids. And just stop making fans the people that have to go, oh, well, I, I wanted to go and watch fucking 
George North or whatever, or an Alan Wynne Jones and Justin Tipperick, and I've got Luke Price. You know, <laughs> it's <laughs> it doesn't grow the game when kids are turning up to watch. You know, what is probably and very possibly the only game of rugby they'll watch all season, and their heroes are not there, not because they're injured, but because of player welfare reasons. It, and the ones they are just... watching are losing forty-four nil. Well, yeah, in the case of the Ospreys, yes, <laughs> but um. Yeah, it's, it, I just for me, I just think... Wasn't that Justin Tipperich's still... first game back for the Ospreys in like seven months or something? Uh, second, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he played like... against Cardiff last week and now he's played <laughs> against it, yeah. the Ospreys. And it's, um, uh, against Cardiff, it's yeah. easy to simply said, this game is my lowest point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in that completely deadpan way he has of delivering stuff. Yeah. Like it's he's Bob. Like and, he's, and so. I realise he looks and, and sounds like Bob Newhart when he actually he's delivers insane. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um... Speaking of insane people, actually, um, Stephen Jones is the only person who hasn't moved on from the Sarri's salary cap thing now, and it's embarrassing. In between reviewing our podcast, he's uh, still going. I know, yeah. He's, he's, he's... <laughs> he's gone full Japanese soldier who still thinks World War II is going on this week. <laughs> yeah. Like, constantly insisting that he knows Saracens haven't breached the salary cap. When, even Sarri's gave up that fight, like, two months ago now. They've accepted... Like, Steve, Emperor Nigel has surrendered to the Allied forces. The war is over. You can go home to your family. Just give it up. Oh, he's unbelievable, it's... isn't he? He blocked me today at last. Did he? Did you actually yeah. respond to him? Uh, I, I, quote, I quote tweeted him with uh, something to the effect of what I've just said. <laughs> the Japanese soldier after World War II. Did he call you a dickhead uh, or an amateur or something then? Uh, he described me as... Um, what did he describe me as? You can't see it now. Um, He's blocked. <laughs> well, no, that was the funny thing because he. This is how he does. It. What I've learned today is this is how he does it. He's so obsessed with having the last word, which, you know, he absolutely fucking is. By the way, um, <laughs> he. Oh yeah, he called me a non-entity, which is oh yeah, yeah like, that's quite a strong. Playing the fucking hits, man. He called me a non-entity and then he blocked me. Let's go in. That's basically watching Pink Floyd and they play fucking comfortably numb and the and, Yeah. You know, it's just like yeah, honestly, he's he's so determined to get the last word that what he does is he calls you a non entity or whatever and then blocks you before you can even see it. <laughs> so it looks so it looks because I didn't realise until somebody else like responded to me and him going, you know, why are you calling him a non entity or something to that effect. Yes. And I was like, oh, fuck, he called me a non-entity. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that is standard, though. He does either call you a dick or he calls you an amateur or a non-entity. Or and then Insta like blocks you before you can respond so that he can feel like he's had the last word, which is Top one of the man. saddest things I could possibly imagine, <laughs> you petty, pathetic little man. It's it's that a man in his position with all of these achieved is still is like that. It's really bizarre, really bizarre. But, What's very funny is that uh, Brian Moore responded to his nonsense tweet today about how no, nobody can say that Saracens have broken the salary cap in any way. Um, and he didn't block Brian Moore. I was going to say, but he hasn't blocked him, has he? Yeah. No, quite quite the opposite. What he said was, uh, he said, Steve, you still haven't told us what you consider to be a suitable sanction for six breaches of the salary cap rules over three years coming after a secret deal done to prevent avoid previous investigation of things uh, of investigations of findings of breaches in 2013 what's his response fair 
will respond after lunch between quarters. <laughs> that was seven hours ago. It was a very long lunch. He'll be back on after four bottles of red wine after to sort it all out. <laughs> Brian, there's a friend of my uncle who's, who's this guy from Yorkshire. And that he he is obsessed with how many people involved in things are in his in the, his Yorkshire was right wing. And basically, you're right. saying. Yeah. And when I met him, and he said, he said, I said, oh, I quite like rugby union. He says, every he said, everyone involved in rugby union is right wing. Everyone involved in rugby union and athletics, athletics randomly is right wing. I said, yeah. And the, the only person I could think of to counter his argument was actually me, you, again, and we're non-entities, and um, and Brian Moore to counteract <laughs> yeah, the narrative maybe. of all rugby yeah, union yeah. is right wing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it feels it feels a lot like that sometimes. <laughs> it does, but you know, I don't. Yeah, do... he's just he's gone full mental about this. Like <laughs> yeah. he will not let this lie. Even Lawrence Delalio is telling him to leave the port alone, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, after all of that, like you just thought after the podcast calamity that was. I mean, does he listen to that, that podcast I've understood? Because I don't know if he listens to it back. He probably doesn't. But if he did, I don't know. He'd surely he'd look at it and go, Jesus, I'm going to write cock myself there. No, so, like, not, not that often. He probably just doesn't. No. But fuck me, if he did, he would think long and hard about saying these sort of things again. Because he sounds like a, a proper raving lunatic. <laughs> and also, everyone's got over it. Everyone's moved on. Even Exeter have pretended to move on while not moving on. It's like, just give it a rest, man. Christ. Have you heard the news? The Irish Independent has a new podcast. We're not in the fairy tale business as journalists. We're in the truth business and the question were there. 20 minutes, five days a week, the Indo Daily takes you beyond the headlines and into Ireland's most talked about stories. So 25 years on, people are absolutely fascinated again with this case. The Indo Daily podcast, available on Spotify, Apple, independent.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, ah, get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Speaking of moving on, let's go mm. uh, on to the shit good ratings, shall we? Let's. On the weekend. What have you got that's shit... Um, Richard Cockerell's chippiness. <laughs> like Edinburgh, right? Very good team. Yes. Derby games, tense affairs. Cockers, intense man. But he's basically been having an argument with himself about how, like, that Edinburgh don't get enough respect when nobody else is saying, like, <laughs> anything about this. He's just have, like he did it after the first game last week and after this game today. He's like. He's saying it's not a fluke when because they won. <laughs> like, no, it's, it's fluke. It's Christmas. Yeah. Who are you it's calling a psycho? Nope, nobody said yeah. anything, Richard. Yeah, nobody's nobody's saying anything bad about Edinburgh, and he's just inventing that they they're not getting any respect and people don't yeah. rate them. It's like, Richard, I mean, lads, you've you heard what they're saying about us out there. That was you, Richard. Yeah. You said it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that bit in Bananas, the Woody Allen film, where he, where he cross-examines himself and he keeps it's running in and out of the, <laughs> in and like out of the jury chair. standing in a mirror and having an argument with himself about whether 
Edinburgh get enough respect or not. And it's just, it just seems bizarre. But you know, <laughs> I'm telling you now, it's not a fluke. Did you hear the question I asked you, Richard? <laughs> I was congratulating you on a really good performance today. Yeah, it's not a fucking fluke, mind. <laughs> and you could, and you and your fucking mates could start. <laughs> Oh, yeah. What else we got? Shit. Geraint Jeremy gets in touch. He says, shit, is Harry Williams of Exeter Chiefs from the subs bench run, from the subs bench runs on escalates a scuffle and gets a deserved red. Oh, yeah, it was entirely deserved. I still don't think it was shit. I thought it was fucking hilarious. So. Me too. That's awesome. The first <laughs> I know we should say down with this like sort it. of thing, but I'm not having it. Yeah. yeah. No, it was brilliant. Also, his yellow card that he got earlier in the game was the first yellow card he's ever got in his career, and then he followed it up by getting a red card in the same game, which, I mean, that's just... Yeah, that's a red letter day. I'm on literally. the full downhill slope now, lads. There's nothing. I can't. I can't pull it back. You can't go back. Can't go back. I'm on the off. I'm on the off ramp. We're out of it. What else? I got this shit here. Dog botherer gets in touch and says, "Shit is monster getting handily put away at home by Lens's third team." Reference your conversation before, Josh. Mm-hmm. Shit, Sarri's not getting nilled, but he said, "Good as the Simmons brother brothers, who still will somehow not be picked for England." Sam's not big enough. Yeah. Joe, on the other hand. He's also not big enough. Oh, yeah. Early days, though. (laughs) Early days. But, yeah, not big enough generally, which is weird because Sam is bigger than Joe. So, surely, if they could just, (laughs) if they could just, like, I don't know, swap bodies. In fact, I've just seen it now. I mean, Joe Simmons is actually face off two. So, he's he's plenty big enough. He's just not going to get picked. Face off two, the sequel. The Simmons is swap faces. And Joe's finally big enough to play for England. <laughs> Honestly, though, every time you watch Exeter in a game of that magnitude and they play that well, you're just basically sitting there going, how are you not playing for England? How yeah. are you not playing for England? How are you not playing Rob for England? Rob sat in the bench going, I'm so glad none of these people play for England. Absolutely. But it's like, fuck me, how the fuck does Don Armand not play for England? You know, I mean that's an old that's an old argument that is. A very I know, old but it's argument. still fucking true. It's like <laughs> there's so many. You know, Ollie Dewitt didn't have a brilliant game. Um, Sam Hilda rather didn't have a brilliant game. But like, how is he not playing for fucking England? You know, I think Sam. I understand why Sam Hill's not playing for England. He's excellent. I do a little. He's bit. excellent He's... right up to the point where he wouldn't be, which is when he got to international <laughs> level. Maybe I don't know, but I feel like. Have you met Brad Barrett? Remember Brad Barrett when he tried to be an international rugby player? Actually, he is. He has. He's very Barretty, isn't he? Yeah. But you know that one game against New Zealand. I feel like Samuel's got that in him. <laughs> you know, in this World Cup, in this next World Cup cycle, Sam Hill will have a fucking amazing game against the All Blacks. And that'll be it. Absolutely. Um, he's played for the Saxons. I don't even know if the Saxons still exist. Yeah. But, you, know. you know what? I actually don't know that. That's true. I do know that Don Armand is better than Brad Shields. That I do know. Yeah, like quite a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam Hill's really fucking good. Um, Johnny Hill, rather, sorry, is really fucking good. Yeah, well, I'm like, I just. I, <laughs> what, what is this, like, fucking shroud that seems to sort of basically stop at Bath? That means yes. that no Eng- no English players. Well, Jack get- Noel and Henry Slade get a look in, don't they? But uh, he's out. He's injured, but done his leg, hasn't he? Slade, yeah. But uh... yeah, yes, <clears throat> yeah. And except for Jack Noel and Henry Slade, like nobody from Bristol and nobody from Exeter are allowed to play for England. And you know, Pat Lamb and Rob Baxter are fucking delighted about that. 
but at the same time, it's fucking absolutely ridiculous because they've got Exeter in particular. I've got some unbelievably good players, and you know they just don't get any kind of looking. And you look at the you know on a proper sort of first fifteen versus first fifteen, you know the Saris lads who've all got seventy million fucking caps each. We're getting fucking battered. And not that they played badly, but they just, they were and second like 18 best. year olds that come through at Saracens get capped before some of these extra players. Yeah, is, there's exactly. definitely some. The fucking the, the the winger, Sarri's winger, you know, who's talking about, you know, they're talking about capping him. And, you know, it's, it's like fucking hell. You know, there's a lot of players down extra way that could probably do with a cap as well. But anyway, whatever. Maybe anyway. Not. Uh, yes, has got the shit here. Uh, um, Tim, standing go, item go on for me, um, the Ospreys, obviously. Um, Forty-four but, nil. Yeah, great. Uh, unsurprising, if anything, which is makes did you it take all the a game in while you were back home over Christmas? Did you, did, were you tempted? No, of course, I wasn't. <laughs> I could literally. I don't think you could have paid me to go down the. Because you're not a real fan, no longer a fan. Yeah, fantasy. I'm not a real fan. It's true. I'm an ex-fan, apparently, according <laughs> to certain Australians on Twitter. Um, but like. The new low levels that they're sort of seeming, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, where their social media team selectively edited Justin Tipperich's post-match quotes to remove the aforementioned lowest moment in the Osprey. <laughs> it is an Osprey, so we're not playing with enough pride in the jersey. All the actual th- interesting things, and basically tr- sort of crowbarred about seven different fucking sentences together to make it sound like he was trying to be a little bit positive about it. And it's like, you just you just got beat 44 fucking nil in a derby. Stop trying to put a fucking happy face on this. It's They're just absurd. They're an absurd organisation. Uh, Tim Colton gets in touch and says, shit is Bristol's defence in the last 50 seconds of the game. Also shit Bristol mm. for not realising that a Wasp team with Thomas Young, Joe Launchbury and Jack Willis in it, will come hard for you at Rook time. And they made a complete mess of Bristol's Rooks time and time again. Your point before, isn't it, about the lack of the plan B and all that? And they don't look like they've got a lot of... Like... They just don't look like they've got enough about them. But I will say, that last 20 seconds in that Wasps game, uh, number 20 for Wasps, was the most man off his feet, going straight off his feet at a ruck that I've ever seen. He basically looked like he was about to jump, dive onto a slip and slide, and somehow Luke Pierce looked straight at it and didn't think that, that was going off his feet. Which, I mean, it's not been a great, a great fucking week for referees, but that was very bad. That's what we got here then. Um... Bath Bites gets in touch and says that shit is the colossal bunch of knobheads who decided that it, if there's a rumble kicking off on the pitch, it's perfectly acceptable to pitch in. It is perfectly acceptable. Uh, good. Absolutely it so is. Wayne Barnes actually red-carded Williams for leaving the bench and wading into the brow. Yeah, that is good. He absolutely deserves to be red-carded for it. And yet. And yet. <laughs> and yet. Brilliant. I loved it. Toby Baker also waded on this and said shit is the new trend of non-players getting involved. The Monster Doctor the other week, sale physios yesterday, and Harry Williams again today. Mm. Yeah. I think a player on the bench is is unacceptable, but yeah, acceptable, if you know what I mean. But physios and doctors, 
getting themselves involved in this shit definitely needs to be locked down, I think. Yeah, players is... It's a weird thing. The player thing I can sort of forgive in a weird way because it's like, well, you know. But, that yeah, physios, doctors, non-playing staff, that just feels like... You know how ice hockey, there's, like, fighting's allowed? But yes. there's rules. It's kind of like... <laughs> In rugby, yeah, shithousery and shenanigans yeah. are allowed if you're on the set. You're on a level playing field. You're all players. You've all signed up for this. You yeah. all need, like, doctors and physios and trainers and anybody on the sports staff. That They're, they're not part of that fraternity that's are allowed no. to get into those sort of things. Well, Maybe that's, that's hypocritical. I don't know. It probably is, but I see where you're coming yeah. from. And actually, in the cold, when, you know, at the end of the day, no, it's probably not okay. However... There's still a part of us that likes it, and that's just Absolutely. the truth of it. Yeah, uh, it's like shaking Stevens. Do you know what I mean? We, there's <laughs> the part of you that just uh, just likes it. All like that. He's you know because he is. Let's be honest, the real king of rock and roll, isn't he? He's the Welsh Elvis. There's no getting away from that. Yeah. Anyway, um, Owen yeah. do gets in touch and says that shit is. I've got to go back to fucking work tomorrow. Yes, I'm with you on that, Owen. And also shit is the Ospreys keep up their pinned tweet status in the shit category. Yes, yes, they do. And I, I don't want to open that door again to Josh's, uh, no, you know, no. the darkness inside himself. So uh, we'll leave that there. Have you got yeah. any more shit before we move on to good? Nah. I've got a good one for you. Speaking of the Ospreys, Andy Powell's offering to help. Absolutely. Get him in. What's the worst that could happen? What did he, what did he say in his tweet? I mean, I know, you know, people think I'm a bit of a funny one, but I'm telling you now, I'm a brilliant coach. So... Um, I mean, he won... As demonstrated won by his tractor with... parade of, of, in Brecon, you know. Yeah. I mean, he did win a trophy with Brecon as coach. So, you know, why not? <laughs> and What's... let's be honest, he won't mind being wheeled out to give bad bad news out to the press, will he? No, he'll have a great time. The press will I mean, we've already, we've already technically got a head coach because let's not forget... Our head coach is still employed. It's just that he's... <laughs> what is he doing? If anybody knows, could somebody please let us know what he is actually doing in that organisation? Because it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, is he some doing photocopiers, bit... you think? I reckon he's got some clarity copy yeah, alert. he's got some clarity. You know, there's that bit in, in... I don't know if you've seen the US office, but there's that bit oh, where yes, Creed gets Creed gets made manager temporarily. Yes. And then he starts ringing everybody and, like... So telling all the clients they're going out of business and Pam goes in and is like I've got two photos for you here, corporate really needs you to tell, this. there are eight differences between these two photos, corporate really needs you to find out what they are and they're the same photo I kind of feel like that's what Alan Clark's been doing for the last month yeah uh, what else have we got that's good here Andy Brum says Leicester, Leicester not losing which we've already covered, have you got any good? Uh, good, genuinely. Um, good for Steve Tandy getting oh, yeah. a crack at a test job. Um, I don't know why Scott, the Scottish Rugby Union is so addicted to Welsh coaches when we are so demonstrably bad. Um, and the only time any Welsh team ever does anything good is with a non-Welsh coach. Um, but yeah, <laughs> good. I'm, but I'm obviously, looks at all those Eastern come... European teams and gone. We want a bit of this. We're sick of the, the Romanians and the Russians of this yeah. world getting all this action. Yeah. Why so... should Canada get all of the great? <laughs> no, uh, you know, Steve Tandy was always a good forwards coach, um, and I'm glad that he's got a a crack at a big old fucking job. And um, good luck to him. Yeah, 
What else we got that's good here? Rob Diamond gets in touch. He says, good was my one and a half hours of kip on the sofa this afternoon, but shit was I missed after Saracen's Exeter game and I snored like fuck and everyone else hates me now. <laughs> that is what I call every Saturday, Rob, basically. Yeah, yeah. Every Saturday, I wake up earlier than I want to because I'm at that age mm-hmm. now where I want to wake up later, but I can't. Think, But it's not a problem because I get all my jobs done and I'll get to watch the rugby this afternoon. I get a load of jobs done, bit of washing, all of that kind of stuff. Settle myself in. Yeah. I bought a new couch recently. It's got one of those, one of the ends on it is like it's like a longer end, it's like a double bed. Oh, so oh. you're basically lying in bed trying to watch the rugby the at yeah. two p.m. with the fire on. You know, and, and you can, <laughs> and the thing is, what is it when you can feel it starting to happen? You can feel you think I'm falling asleep, falling asleep, falling asleep. But you don't go. But I'm going to change the position or stand up because I really want to see this rugby. You just let it wash over you, don't you? Mm-hmm. This is what mm-hmm. happens. This is what happens as you get older. You just let stuff wash. That's why you can't be angry about politics anymore. You got to let stuff wash yeah. over you. And this is how they get you. This is how they get you. You see, you are metaphorically <laughs> and literally in a lying down position in front of the fire from the age of forty onwards. I'm discovering, and you just let everything, all the shit, happen to you. I feel like you've really kind of let us into <laughs> something quite. Quite deep and profound. It was that I didn't know um, that was going to go there, but it did. So there you go. Yeah, here we are. Um, good for me. Tell you play Fanatown. Not only because he played a game of rugby for the first time in eighteen oh, months. Yes, he did, didn't he? Um, but he played the full eighty on his first uh, on a cold December evening on his first run out in eighteen months, and of course he got man of the match because <laughs> because, because he's Salupe fucking Fanatown. Yeah. Honestly. He's like, we do not appreciate how fucking good he is. He was epic. Like, just like turnovers, hard carrying, tackle, just all the all the classic Talupe shit. It was all and the was greatest like, hits in one up, set. Yeah, perfect serenity while doing everything brilliantly and just looking like he literally just stepped back on the rugby field for the first time in a week, not the first time in a year and a half. God, it has been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Jack Hurst gets in touch. He says, good is Wharfdale RUFC getting listed as one of the best places to watch rugby in the Telegraph. A great fair small point. community club. I mean, it was uh, fair dues, Jack, but it was the Telegraph. It, that probably just means you've got a good selection of sherry or something. But um, Because as well, of course, don't forget Wharfdale. Who is chairman of Wharfdale, Josh? Can you remember? No. It's our dear Who's friend, chairman? the omnipresent John Spencer. Spencer. <laughs> That, well, that explains Dan it. Dan Bigger, yeah. Osprey, and Wales. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's oh, no surprise it's a fucking good club, is he? going to be in charge next time. Is he going to be in charge next time? He's not Please the manager next time, be. is he? Ah, oh, boo. They're wandering around whistling at foreigners and them not understanding <laughs> what he was doing. They thought he was doing some kind of impression of a bird or something. Didn't somebody fucking try to fill him in in New Zealand as well? I don't know. I seem to remember that happened on the tour. Didn't Were they out for like... They were oh, I'm gone. This is ringing like a bell a... now. Yeah, and some people yeah, got the arse with John. they were out for John. dinner one night and a bunch of fucking Larry Kiwis in the restaurant basically Don't fucking whistle at me, man. <laughs> Settle down, Which people. Which is totally unacceptable, Settle down. And yeah. This is not necessary. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah. Good for, good for Wharfdale, yeah. good for John Spencer, good for Jack Hurst is what I say. Absolutely. Benjamin Parker gets in touch and says, good, it was police on's offload for La Rochelle today. I've not seen it, but La Rochelle fucking tumped the hapless Argent today. So uh, it was probably perfect for police on. 
He also says good is Dragons improvement under Dean Ryan. They do look like they've got an actual Absolutely, rugby coach in charge do. again, don't they? Yeah, it's it's amazing what the difference a very good, you know, a, a, a solid rugby coach can make to a, a team. I could argue that my team might consider bringing in a head coach, <laughs> but you've already got one you, know. you don't need one so. <laughs> i've seen some people sort of argue that the ospreys being absolutely fucking reprehensibly bad at the moment is evidence that you know alan clark was you know was doing that he was actually re- doing a really good job and it's like well no like taking somebody and then not replacing it you know having no head coach is obviously worse than having a head coach yeah but having a good head coach is better than having a bad head coach Somebody was making a point, I can't remember who it was on Twitter the other day, and I apologise if it was you and I'm not giving you due credit. I'm, I'm just, I'm very much claiming this is not me, so it is something off Twitter. He was saying that actually there's too much attention paid to kind of marquee player signings and not enough to marquee sort of coach signings, which arguably yeah. can do more for your club, especially if you're a club with not That's many marquee players. Yeah. And I think if you look at Wales, there's probably a, a very strong argument to be made there, but actually it might be worth investing some money in some top-end coaching at the top well it, it basically it was warren gatland who said that oh was it, it? Was like it was he said like when he was like how do you fix the re- regions and he said the first thing i do was stop p- plowing money into players and start plowing money into coaching and facilities mm. and like that's quite a, and accept that you're playing a long game with it and it's a five to ten year he, plan yeah yeah that's the sort of thing that he absolutely couldn't have done <laughs> while he was Wales coach because he couldn't very well turn around and say, you know, you shouldn't be paying these fucking Wales players through the arse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but... Don't do it while I'm here, but that's absolutely what you should be doing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but it's... it's Yeah, I think it's absolutely the way that Welsh rugby needs to start looking at itself instead of throwing loads of money at players like Liam Williams to come home or George North to come home or whoever. Um, but... Yeah, you know it's it's it is what it is. It's Welsh rugby has got a long fucking way to go. Josh gets in touch, not you, another one, and says, <laughs> "Good is all the Cardiff Blues players out on the piss in Ponty before the Ponty Cardiff oh, game." Lads, fucking hell! What a oof! What a day out that is. I don't think it, all the time I spent down in South Wales, I didn't go out on a piss in Ponty. Was that something? I you missed literally I, nothing. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't think that I would have done, but just to confirm, I imagine it's something you've done. But anyway, he says, anyway, another good thing was that Ellis Jenkins offered to mop up after somebody had spilt a pint. <laughs> now, I don't know much about Ellis Jenkins, but somehow that screams exactly what he's all about. Yeah, I do like Ellis Jenkins a lot. Let's be honest. He's a, he's a very nice man. He's obviously fit enough to be out on the piss and mopping up, though, so that's, that shows his rehab's going okay, doesn't it? Yeah. This fucking not back to that for the Six Nations nonsense. No, if you can, yeah. you can clean up a pint, you can clean up a breakdown. <laughs> we'll even let you bring a mop if it helps, yeah. Uh, Bailey and Aurora gets in touch. He says, good is Bill Matter's offload for Graham's first try and then, and then Graham then leaving the Glasgow player on his arse to go closer under the post. Yeah, he did a kind of bit of a shimmy in the dead ball area, didn't he? Which is great. He did. Did you oh, see that did. fucking offload, by the way? It was the... I mean, we're all used to the cat flap offload now, aren't we? Of course we are, yeah. However, there's still something glorious about a large Fijian doing it. 
And it's yes, the, it was the bullet-like speed that the ball went at. Just through a small flick of the wrist, it went like a fucking bullet. It was incredible. It, it absolutely had no business going at the velocity that it went for. I mean, it just shows what unbelievable speed he has, that unbelievable power he's got in his forearms. Or the technique. But, There's something of the badminton yeah. player about it. Do you know what I mean? The kind of yeah. flick of the wrist, woof, straight, and away it goes. Yeah. Yeah, but it was glorious. If I'd done that, it would have gone about three foot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my son was what? My son's 18, and he's he's not, he, like me, he's not a gifted sportsman. You know, he has a go, he likes it, but he's not so good. And we were watching the football and our 10-hour marathon on boxing, and he was like, I just don't know how they kick it that far. <laughs> like when they take a corner and stuff. I said, I know what you mean, That's yeah. True, I know right. what you mean. It's true, because it looks like you should just run up and you give it your full welly. And it's like, well, when I do it, it goes about 22 metres at most. But uh, Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yes. uh, what else have we got here? Luke gets in touch. He says that good was there was over five thousand at Kingston Park for the for Doddy Weir's fundraiser. That is good. Yeah, and Jordy Barrett fair. getting kicked out of the MCG for, as the press put it, sculling pints. <laughs> Do you remember when they did pints? Uh, Half. Yeah. Do you remember when they did? Um, well, you know the Welcome to Country that they do in Australia when they have the, um, you know, the what the First Nation people come out and do their Welcome to Country. One mm-hmm. guy came out at one game about three years ago and actually just said, welcome to such a place. Everybody skull all your pints and welcome here and stuff. And he was like, what was a good job? Well, no wonder it's, you're given yeah. special dispensation by the original inhabitants of the land to, to do it. So Exactly. It's positively encouraged, if anything. What else have we got here? Tom Goldman gets in touch. as good as Joe Simmons holding up Jamie George over the line when he had no business Absolutely doing so. Is. 100% agree. Hard agree, as Josh would say. Yeah. Sean Troy gets in touch. He says, good is that Le- Leinster haven't lost since the game against Saracens in May. He said, however, shit is the state of the Pro 14 that allows Leinster to go undefeated since playing Saracens in May, almost entirely without their internationals. Well, yeah, we've covered some of this. It is yeah. a structural thing, I think, that needs to get sorted. It is. It's something that you can't... It's not Leinster's fault, but it is the Pro 14's fault. Mango gets in touch and says, good, towards the end of the first half of Harlequins versus... Lester, Dan Coles, casually lifting Joe Marler's shirt to pat him on the belly to try and get a rise out of him. Even Joe Marler laughed. Hashtag acceptable shithousery, yeah. I'm not even sure that even... Yeah, does it cross into shithousery? Yeah, maybe. Either way, it's great. I agree with you, Mango. Indeed. James Gorkrodger finally gets in touch. He says, good is I'm still buzzing from Friday. Umanga developing into something tasty. Minotzi getting his first try. Yeah. And Fekatoa tearing up Ashton Gate. Is it the start of good things to come for Wasps, do we think, Josh? Um, I well, I think you look at that squad and you go, how the fuck have you only won two games this season? Yeah, we said this, didn't we, last week? Well, you said it last week and I probably like, said it in agreement, but yeah. Like, Fekatoa is f- like an unbelievable player. We all knew this. Yes. Minotzi's a great player. Sapoanga's a good player. Sapoanga's a good player. Second choice, all blackout Launch after freezing. two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Launchbury's a good player. You know, they've got a lot Thomas of... Young. Thomas Young's a good player. They've got a Great lot players. of... Yeah, they've got so many good players that the fact that they went to shit as badly as they have over the last 18 months was really weird. Um, and, yeah, they, they were always going to turn a corner at some point. Maybe this Who is knows it. If it'll, as much maybe as it this was madness it. towards the end, possibly yeah. undeserved, however it was... A... <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's it from me. Have you got any more good? Nah, mate. That was our little festive interlude, everybody. Yeah. 
I'm going to go and eat some crisps now. All we can do is wish you a very, very happy new year. And, uh, you know, may the best of your yesterdays be the worst of your tomorrows and all that stuff. And I genuinely mean that. So, Indeed. All the best, everybody. Have a great one. Have a drink. Take care. Ta-da. Have you heard the news? The Irish Independent has a new podcast. Thousands of people who work in the events industry are making more noise than ever. But are they being listened to? 20 minutes, five days a week, the Indo Daily takes you beyond the headlines and into Ireland's most talked about stories. Two gangs, 18 people killed, families torn apart. The Indo Daily podcast, available on Spotify, Apple, independent.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.